Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Delacoltman, joined as always by Elliot Tanti, and we have a very special guest joining us for the very first time on this uh, this specific show. We have Tyler Walzak joining us. Tyler Walzak is one of our co-hosts on the Pit Stop podcast that comes out every Tuesday, and he has also got a very special project we're working on here at the Ordinary Podcasting Network. He's going to be hosting his own NFL football show coming later in the summer as the NFL season gets ramped up. It is called Running Down the Clock. We are very excited about it. it is, uh, it's been a, a work in progress for a little while, but we're excited to announce it today, and we're excited to have him on the show. Tyler, welcome. How you doing? Not too bad. Thank you very much. And yes, uh, very excited for that NFL podcast. We're just putting down formats and talking now and doing some practice sessions and all that stuff. But uh, it's free agency, so it's things happen quickly and podcasts get old quickly. Absolutely. So we, we are going to uh, tap your expertise and talk some NFL today because Braden's not here and we have... Elliot, who's sort of our resident NFL fan on this show, um, but now he gets to uh, line up across the line of scrimmage with a real solid diehard NFL fan who uh, I think he's really looking forward to having uh, some conversations about the offseason with. So we will do that in our third topic. We're going to talk basketball, the NCAA March Madness, obviously going both the men's and women's tournaments. That will be topic two. And before that, we will talk about the NHL trade deadline, which if you are listening to this on Monday, this podcast will already seem old. But we'll talk about what we know so far at the time of recording and sort of where we expect things to go. Let's get to it. Uh, here's topic one. Okay. Uh, as I just teased, we're going to talk NHL. We have lots of trades that have already happened. This is sort of a trend that's been growing over the past couple of years where the trade deadline is no longer a single day, but it kind of stretches into a week before it starts as a trickle. And then slowly we get some of the bigger deals. I know it's terrible for the, uh, you know, the networks that try to build an entire day long show and they end up with all of the big meaty stuff happening before they even get on the air. But as fans, it's fun to see it kind of happen. And it also lays the groundwork for what might happen on, on Monday. Obviously you're listening to this Monday, but for us, we're recording this Sunday. So here's what we know so far. Some big, big trades have happened. Um, the biggest one or the two biggest ones, I think happening over the weekend, closure Giroux going to Florida for Owen Tippett, a bunch of picks and some dra- and some prospects going both directions. But that's a big trade as far as, you know, name value. Closure Giroux is a very big player and Florida is a very good team that adds another weapon to their um, arsenal. Uh, we also found out that they have, uh, I believe. Uh, Aaron Ekblad is going to be put on long-term IR for the remainder of the season, but of course they expect him much like Nikita Kucherov to be healthy come playoff time. Ha ha ha. The salary cap means absolutely nothing. And uh, the other really big trade, and this is why I'm excited. Tyler's here as a uh, diehard Maple Leafs fan, Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwood have been traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for two seconds and a third from the Seattle Kraken, who I think have have accepted that their draft and first year in the league did not go to plan. Uh, they've moved on, traded the first franchise captain already. Uh, Mark Giordano, obviously a Toronto um, native, and he gets to go play for his childhood team and make them a little bit deeper on the back end. Let's start there, Tyler. You saw this trade. I know there was another trade earlier in the day, or pardon me, after that, Travis Dermott going as well. Where are the Maple Leafs right now um, going into the trade deadline and sort of the last quarter of the season? Well, I think even with this trade right now, they're in the same spot that they were before they made the trade. And it's the same Maple Leafs, which is frustrating. It's the same Maple Leafs talk for what seems like the last three or four deadlines. It's defense, defense, defense. And I know that every team right now is trying to add defensemen because defenseman depth in the playoffs is key. But we have not gone into the playoffs in the last five years 
confident with our starting goaltender. Uh, Jack Campbell, sure, he's been good. He's had moments where uh, he was the best this year, but he's fallen off quickly and recently, um, and he's had injury problems. And then before that, Frederick Anderson couldn't get it done in the playoffs. So I think that this trade today doesn't mean anything unless they go out and get a goalie, specifically a Marc-Andre Fleury, I believe, because he's won cups and he consistently is just winning games in playoffs. If I don't think if the Leafs don't make a, a move to get a goalie, then I don't know what this deal does for them. Obviously. Yeah. I, I think that's what you, you, you sort of mentioned to me in a text earlier today, that that's what you think the Travis Dermott thing might be a foreshadowing of is they needed to get a couple extra picks in line going into tomorrow, some arsenal in the tank. You think that's what they're trying to do? Well, they also had to get uh, under the cap. I think they've only got like $1.4 million of uh, deadline cap space now. And with that new trade, they had to get rid of somebody at some point. So uh, this it, it made sense to get rid of Dermot. And also, I do believe that they need that third pick just to maybe entice someone else. If they are seeing a goalie slip for someone else who's offering a first and something, then they can throw this third, third back in there. So Elliot, obviously, um, what jumps out at you so far when you look at the sort of the list of who's been going where, uh, what, are, what teams, what movers and shakers for you, do you either expect a lot more from, or, or you, do you think have already made a pretty big impact for their team? Oh, well, I think you couldn't go any further down, down this line of conversation without talking about what the Florida Panthers have done. Uh, they've clearly solidified themselves and made very clear to their fan base and the rest of the league that they're going to be the team to beat heading into the playoffs this year. Uh, and it's a strong team and they've got a good core around them. Um, but the added, obviously Giroux is, uh, is a game changer. And I think what it also um, spells is, you know, it not only is it an added asset for them, but it takes away an asset asset from one of their biggest competitors out of the West, which was the Colorado Avalanche, which seemed to be the other team that was really invested in that, in that move and moving forward in that way. At least that was the one that we kept hearing about. Um, you know, for me, I, I think taking a larger step back, I don't know what's more surprising, the prices these teams are playing, paying for these players or the fact that there are teams willing to pay them. I, I mean, I think we've, you know, Montreal kind of kicked it off and set the, uh, uh, set what it's going to cost to do moves. And, and, and that's the market price. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I can't believe how many first rounders are th- being thrown around really good prospects uh, for what are largely mostly rental players. I, 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 I'm shocked at that. Tyler, I do want to throw it back to Toronto one more time, because I know that there is uh, a contingent of Maple Leafs fans that are really engaged and, and feel as though goaltending needs to be addressed. Sounds like you're one of them. Uh, you know, I feel very similarly here in Edmonton, but hasn't Kyle Dubas sort of put that to bed and said that that's not going to happen? And and doesn't the GNR, Giordano trade sort of like solidify that? Uh, he said that, but I mean, that could just be coach speak, right? That could just yeah. be something they're saying just so that people don't think that they're buyers. But I mean, you you have to know everybody who watches hockey in the NHL right now knows that the Leafs want to win. They're in win now mode. They're a team that hasn't won in a very long time and they need to live up to that Toronto Maple Leaf standard that for some reason exists because they're in the biggest market. Um, To me, I like there's one player that plays every single minute of a game and that's the goalie. And if that's not your best player on the ice, then I, I, you, your chances are less than someone else's to win the Stanley cup. 
Yeah, and as Elliot says, obviously, uh, Edmonton Oilers fans know that all too well, as mm-hmm. they themselves are finding them in this very precarious position of, do you go with the hot guy right now, even though you've been burned and and before and, and have seen it hasn't been working? Uh, and Elliot, I'll, I'll circle back on your point. I think I would probably tend to agree with you. The Florida Panthers are definitely all in. They've they've spent a lot of, you know, their their uh, sort of first. Uh, they've traded two first rounders already uh, this off season. They traded a first and a third um, to to go and get Clojure as well as Owen Tippett, who is a genuinely good NHL hockey player and has been a big part of their team. But obviously, he's no Clojure. And then. Earlier, we saw them go and get their big defenseman. And Tyler mentioned, you know, how important defensemen seem to be. Ben Sherratt from Montreal, they traded a first for him as well. So you're right. It does seem like the prices are very steep. And it will be, cur- it will, I'm curious to see as we go into the actual trade deadline for the teams that are looking for some of the slightly less flashy rental players out there, what will the asking price be? Let's, let's talk about that for a second. We, we, we have the Oilers who definitely need a defenseman they're not going to go and get a big flashy defense when they don't have the cap space for it. If they're going to go get somebody, it's going to be like a Zdeno Chara or a PK Subban. And they're going to either have to make a, like a hockey trade with the Tyson Berry going the other way for the cap space. And what, like a third. Um, what do you think Elliot as an Oiler fan? Well, I mean, let me change it from what do you think? What do you hope as an Oiler fan to see tomorrow? Uh, or do you think that as the old adage goes, Ken Holland will keep his powder dry? Uh, what did I say last year at the trade trade deadline? The Oilers are going to do nothing, and then they essentially did nothing, and yeah. nothing happened. Uh, I mean, I think there's always this sort of like virtue signaling that the GM does to its players. It's like, oh, if you guys got there, you you deserve this, so we're going to add a six seven D, so could, to show that you guys did a good job this year and made the playoffs. I, you know, I'm anticipating one of those type moves you know, a fourth rounder for something. I mean, so people were talking about Chara today. That'd be interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. how. I, cool, I guess. Um, well, we'll definitely I, have one of the oldest aggregated teams on the ice. I mean, between Duncan Keith, Mike Smith, and Zdeno Chara, our team is almost all collecting pensions. Well, and it's amazing given that they've, ba- he's, they've basically gutted all of our defensive deaths. So we've had about 16 de- defensive rookies play this year yeah. on the back end. But no, I mean, I think you, I, that's sort of my thing is, you know, you're, it's going to be some tweaking around the edges, some sort of signaling, you know, centerman or depth guy for the team. I, I, I think Oilers fans need to sort of take the Evander Kane signing as like the, the, the deadline deal to make the team better uh, that happened just like a month, a month and a half earlier. Uh, there's not a lot of cap space just as there was last year. Uh, the team is what the team is. I don't really anticipate anything. Um, and if there is a move, I don't, I don't anticipate it'll be substantial. I just hope it doesn't regress the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tyler, when you look at the rest of the league right now, and it's more specifically as a Maple Leafs fan, when you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, who worries you out there? Who, who um, well, I think has actually, already done what they need to do. Sorry, go ahead. Actually, I was I was hoping to um, I was waiting to jump in here. Sorry, but uh, you, Elliot, you yeah. mentioned Colorado um, when you're talking about Florida. Now they're built to win right now, and they're built for the last couple of years, and they've got three or four more years left. But they've been fairly quiet the last few trade deadlines. Do you think that because of uh, what Florida is doing now that Colorado has to potentially be buyers now in this market? Just to keep yeah. up. 
I, I mean, I think so. If they're looking to, you know, I, I think it's a bit of an arms race. Didn't Langeson got get hurt this week though, too. I wonder how that's impacting their decision-making uh, and, and, and what that may mean for them. Uh, it may actually end up being a positive and that apparently now the cap doesn't matter. If you've got someone injured, you can just throw them on LTL IR until the end of the year and then, and, and have them come back. So maybe we're having one of those situations emerging. I, I do think if they're going to be competitive, uh, and expect to take on Florida um, uh, or any of the powerhouse teams, and in, in particularly the East, uh, that have really been chopping at the bit all year because the playoffs have basically been set in the, the uh, this year for several months now. Uh, they're going to have to do some upgrading somewhere, um, but how and where? I mean, tomorrow will be very interesting. Um, it'll be very interesting to see uh, which teams stand pat and if there's any last sort of fireworks that we see in the next little bit. Yeah. And uh, Jordan, just to get now to answer kind of your question that I, I skipped over there, sorry, is that, I mean, in the East, the, the team I would be worried about is kind of the ones that are, might make a move, but stand pat like the Tampa Lightning, you have to think that they could just be in regular season mode and then they'll turn it up when they get to mm-hmm. back into the playoffs. And you got to think the Penguins probably might make a move, but they might stand pat. I don't know what they could be capable of doing, but they've got kind of on their last legs with this team like they're in like almost like a generational switch now um that malkin and crosby and and all those guys are getting old and they've been able to swap in goaltenders which is tough to do but uh Mm -hmm. you gotta think the penguins that that their experience um lightning and then obviously the hurricanes are a good team and uh it's it's interesting because everyone's kind of set there those top teams florida i was surprised florida's doing as much movement because they're they're in first place, like, and they're making big moves and they're getting rid of uh, draft picks. But you kind of go, you kind of think of like what's happening in the NFL is like, if you're built to win now, you go out and get that person who cares about picks. And it's kind of coming into every sport now is where, Hey, it's the whole world is shifting to this faster pace and rebuilds are faster and everything's faster. So these picks will go, but um, the hurricanes have been in there for a while. They'd be a tough team to watch. And I don't know. It's, it will be interesting tomorrow. You tend to see the older guys get traded more than, than uh, a guy in, in peak career. Well, there's certainly the guys like Mark Giordano who are now in the point of their career where they're chasing mm-hmm. a cop, right? And they're probably making it clear yeah. to the general managers if they're, I mean, Seattle's going to be a lottery team. They're definitely, he, you know, he wants an opportunity and he, he thinks he can get that in Toronto and, and, and certainly a huge upgrade uh, just even in terms of where they are in, in the table to, to, to see all of a sudden you're on a competing team. That's huge. Um, and, and, and he can definitely be a piece for them. Uh, you're right. Zidane Char, I think would be the same kind of thing if that is somebody the Oilers or anyone else is targeting. Um, although it's interesting because, you know, the Islanders haven't been terrible but they're definitely he you know he, he's a missing piece for somebody else i i, I guess um but it's interesting you you, you know just to, to close this out you're right florida seems to be all in and, and a little bit more so i think that this is a reaction to the result they found themselves in in the first round last year in the battle of florida where they they went through a great season last year thought they were really in a great position to compete for a stanley cup and and met the tampa bay lightning in the first round and felt like they just did not have enough to get through them and i think they're looking at how the East is shaking out again and going, we do not want to find ourselves with one or two injuries that cripple our opportunity to get deep in the playoffs and adding a depth guy, pardon me, a, a veteran guy like, like Clojure, who, you know, on most teams is your first line, you know, a scorer uh, on a team that already has the kind of scoring they have. And, and again, you know, like you said, they're giving up pieces. It's not just picks. They gave up Owen Tippett and Owen Tippett is going to be a very good player in this league. If he plays like he has in Florida, um, 
for the Philadelphia Flyers, I guess, moving forward, but, but a big opportunity for, for uh, closure. Lots of big names still on the table. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, Elliot looks like he's got one more point. I'll let him jump in and then, uh, and we'll wrap up topic one. Elliot, what do you got? Yes or no from both of you tomorrow. There's about a million teams looking for goalies and there's doesn't seem to be any available. Is it there a substantive goalie move tomorrow? Yes or no? Jordan? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think Mark Andre Fleury is not a Chicago Blackhawk by the end of the day. I don't know where he goes though. Tyler. Yes. And someone's gonna reach for someone who's not that good, thinking that they're an answer. Yeah. I'll take yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah, but fair enough. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I think that just, you know, to play the homer for a second, I think that's what the Oilers are in the position of doing. I think they've accepted that they are, they, they're going to go with the guys they've got. And look, I mean, Miko Koskinen has been really good. They're five, they've won five games in a row, basically writing him. Mike Smith had a good outing in game four of that five in the homestand, but Mike Miko Koskinen is playing as an NHL, as good as an NHL goalie should be expected to be. None of these guys are going to be superstars for them, but it's very much like what Tyler was saying last year with Jack Campbell. It's like, sometimes if a goalie gets hot, you kind of got to go with it and hope that it, you, you know, you, you have one of those Cinderella runs, like a, like a Bennington or a, just gonna say Bennington, you know, yeah. a, a late, uh, was it Layton or Lawton or somebody who took Philadelphia to the finals a few years ago and then disappeared. But like once in a while, a goalie that you don't expect will, will get hot near the end of the, season and, and can do something special for you. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Edmonton, but I think what they're looking at in the goalie market is there's just not a better option. You know what I mean? And sometimes doing nothing and, and hoping um, what you have is, is enough is better than taking a gamble and failing. I, I would argue. Any last thoughts, boys? I think, I think picks do get a little crazy tomorrow because you're not seeing these kids come in and dominate like Lafreniere in New York is like 20 points or something around there this year. So it's, it's easier to go out and get someone and just be like, whatever, we'll just deal with the draft when we deal with the draft. You can find guys in second and third rounds now. Totally. Well, as I said at the top, all of everything we've just said probably is irrelevant by the time you're listening to this, unless you're one of the early morning listeners of, of Patrick. Uh, so, you know, maybe you're able to, to see how, how smart we really are by the time you're listening to this, whether or not anything we said came true. Uh, that's it for topic one. Do you like fast cars? Do you like when they race? Whether you're a seasoned Formula One fan or you've just discovered the rush of racing, check out the Pit Stop Podcast presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Join Jordan, Tyler, and Braden each week as they recap every race as well as break down the biggest stories on and off the track all before setting you up for the next race in the Formula One schedule. The Pit Stop Podcast is available anywhere you get your podcast. Okay, on to topic two here. Um, last week, Braden, Elliot, and I uh, gave you our final four picks for the men's tournament in the NCAA, um, uh, well, the NCAA tournament, March Madness. And uh, we only did the final four because, I mean, we didn't first off have a four-hour show like what you find on ESPN and everybody else leading up to the tournament. So we just went with the final four. And I can tell you right now, mine's already busted. Most people's brackets, I think, are busted. That's how the game is played. Um, I'm going to go to Tyler first because you haven't had a chance to get in on this. Um, when you look at your bracket and you look at how this tournament has unfolded so far, um, how's March Madness treating you? My bracket was done after day one. Um, very early as well. I believe I had Kentucky going to the final four and uh, as they were a two seed and they were at one point towards the, like in February and, and end of January, they could have been a one seed. But uh, St. Peter's took them out, and St. Peter's won again today. 
Um, so that number 15 seed is going to the sweet 16 and there's been a ton of upsets this year. I mean, there's a ton of upsets every year, but, um, on both this men's bracket and the women's bracket has seen six, uh, double digit seeds win, uh, on the first weekend. And it's, that's huge for the women's bracket. Um, because usually it's just the top 10 teams that are just dominating everybody. So there's, there's always been parody in men's and the women's is getting parody now and it's exciting. It's the best betting weekend of the year uh if you're a sports better and i am and i'm not a good one <laughs> <laughs> well elliot wouldn't be either if he'd put any money on his beloved iowa uh losing to 12 seated richmond in the first round elliot how hard was that to suffer man not even not even did they uh yeah it was brutal when i saw that game i was like you know what like i that was a that was a bad call hilariously the rest of my bracket remains relatively intact and I'm actually doing well, including leading the hat trick uh, podcast yep, uh, you are. bracket league right now, uh, which is somewhat surprising to me. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I just to double down on what Tyler said, there's been so many surprises and so many upsets, but I, I also don't have a lot of confidence this year in the rankings. Uh, I think coming out of COVID in the last two years of uh, how much, uh, collegiate sports has been interrupted by 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 COVID and shutdowns and challenge. It's it, I, I think it was really hard for the NCAA to get a really good sense, of, particularly uh, like like what's the difference between a five and a six or a three and a um, a fifteen and a twelve. You know, like and, and I think you're really seeing that sort of come to fruition uh, in this, which is great. I, I mean, it's awesome. The chaos of this is why we all love watching it. And the you know games are so swingy and shorter, and things happen fast. And it's just, uh, it's what makes the the tournament great. And so, uh, really enjoying it. And and I think you know having a bracket and following things along. And I wish I was still had my beloved Iowa to be cheering for. But Iowa State was still around for a bit, so that's okay as long as we got some representation from Iowa. Why Iowa? Absolutely no. I've been there once. Okay. <laughs> To say the big the Big Ten in both basketball and football is kind of notorious for uh, Jordan's going nuts. It's kind of notorious for being bad in playoffs. The yeah. the Big Ten in football is always disappointing when they're in the top four and in the playoffs and in basketball too. Like I'm I'm wearing a Michigan hat right now and I'm a Michigan fan, but they shouldn't have been in the tournament and now they're kind of like the only Big Ten team that's that's doing anything in it um, besides like Purdue. Yeah, I wanted I, to ask you about Michigan because uh, I. If I'm not mistaken, Elliot, did you or no, it was Braden had Tennessee going deep. They Braden had Tennessee in his final four. So Michigan, number 11 seed there, beating Colorado State, who was six, then coming up against Tennessee, who's three, beating them by almost 10 points. And now they'll face uh, on Thursday, they'll face Villanova. I mean, you got to be you got to be having a great time as a Wolverines fan right now. Well, they're a very punchy bunch. <laughs> yes. No, that was good. That was very good. Um, yeah, no, obviously they're one of those teams that I think is, I think they're, well, you've got St. Peter's, I guess would be the only uh, lower seed still in there above them. Iowa state obviously at 11 as well, but anyway, um, I, I'll just quickly acknowledge too, Elliot, you lost Iowa. I my final two is already busted because I very boldly uh, for some reason had Auburn who was number two all the way in my final four and then into the finals against Gonzaga. So I'm not quite sure what I was thinking there, but maybe I, 
uh, anyway, uh, Miami, Miami beating uh, Auburn. So lots of lots of big storylines there. Let's jump really quickly over to the women's side because as Ellie, or, uh, pardon me, as Tyler said off the top, there's been some big games and some big upsets there too. Um, and what's I think really cool, uh, and we've talked a lot about on this show about like representation and sort of the balance of how you know, there has been a shift uh, culturally, but moreover, even just in how the broadcasting of these events are held and, and the recognition that the women's game is getting. Basketball, I think, is probably the best sport when it comes to team sports right now as far as promoting the women's game. Obviously, the w- WNBA is the most successful professional women's league in North America in any sport. Uh, they've got great funding. They've got a great partnership and relationship with the NBA, which is what's working for them. You know, we've talked on this show about how the only way for a women's hockey league to work in North America is if the NHL puts some significant um, support behind it, because it's just not going to work without it. Um, but what's really cool in Canada, at least, and I, I don't, I assume it's similar in the States right now, but it feels like the coverage has been pretty balanced. We've got a lot of, you know, on like the four or five TSN channels, well, there's three men's games on. There's usually two women's games on the other two channels. Like I have found myself, you know, flipping through, checking scores and, and constantly bumping into these women's games and, and staying, watching a quarter, watching, you know, the end of uh, end of regulation. And it's fun. It's good basketball. It's different basketball. Obviously, it's a different, you know, different sport when when it's being played by by women but it's a really exciting game and we've got some big upsets i wanted to highlight south dakota and the coyotes who are 10 seed beating number two baylor i mean that's a big program in baylor have you ever heard of south dakota (laughs) like what a big what a big game that must have been for them Uh, and obviously you know uh exciting for them uh do you guys agree with me or feel like it's been a, a different kind of uh exposure for the women's side of this tournament this year yeah, and it's also coming from the NBA players. Like LeBron was all over uh, it on Thursday with uh, talking about the players in the in the women's tournament, and and there is players that are dominating games. Like Villanova has uh, has that Seagrist uh, Seagrist um, player that's just like phenomenal, like the second leading scorer in the league, and it's just dom- like just dominating games for them. And it's I don't know, it's just cool. It's a it's a different game. It's a different game. It's actually there's one team that. Florida Gulf Coast that I was reading about. I haven't watched them play, but they took 64 shots on Friday, not one of them from mid-range, which if you watched oh. like DeMar DeRozan play basketball, all he does is shoot mid-range jumpers. And it was super frustrating as a Raptors fan because the mid-range jumpers, like they give it a 42% accuracy is like probably an average shooter. A good shooter is probably around 42%. That's not a high number. Like you can be in the paint at 65 or at the three at 35, 42 for a two is not a great percentage. And so this team Florida golf, golf coast for the women's is 64 shots, either in the paint or beyond the three, nothing else, which ah, is super cool to me that someone's actually figured it out. That's awesome. That's Florida golf, Florida golf coast. coast. The Eagles, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost to the Maryland Terrapins, but yes, but, but they were a twelve seed. So yeah, you know, no, they were a twelve seed. They hung around. Place. They hung around. Um, uh, so Elliot, obviously licking your Iowa wounds and Tyler laughed. And the reason I lost my mind when you said the only reason you cheer for Iowa is because you've been there once. Tyler's probably unaware that last week you also picked, uh, your second baseball team. Elliot decided he was going to follow baseball more closely this season. Uh, for those who didn't listen to last week's episode, obviously he's cheering for the blue Jays in the American league, but he needed to pick a national league team. And so he picked the Padres 
And the only reason he picked the Padres was because Braden and I basically dared him to do it. And he's now a devoted Padres fan. So Elliot is <laughs> the kind of bandwagon jumper that literally the breeze can blow him. The, ru- the Let me tell you, this is just a typical week being a Padres fan with the, you know, Teets uh, breaking his arm, totally devastating this season. I mean, we're going to be a pitch and catch team this year. And you know what? That's why I love this team. And I love to hate this team. We're going to make this a thing. You're going to become like the official Canadian Padres fan. This is, this is going to be a thing. Uh, last thoughts, Tyler, on the NCAA tournament. Do you expect uh, any more big upsets or should we start to see some of the big teams just start to turn it on here as they get into the Sweet 16 and get prepared to try to make the eight and the four? Um, I, it'll be tough. Like The teams now, they have six days, five, five or six days to get it together. They don't play again until next Saturday. And like even right now, as we speak, TCU is about to... Uh, it's about to beat Arizona, I believe, yeah, 72 70 as a huge one. So, like these number one seeds and number three seeds, and number two seeds, they got a week to figure it out and go over tape. But I mean, there's a lot of like Miami, Florida that just beat Auburn is that's a tough out. And I think Elliot might have been on something there where the, the standings might not reflect where people actually should be because of the odd schedules from the last two years. Yeah. Elliot, last thoughts? Yeah, just circling back to the women's game. I mean, this is what happens when you put proper investment resources, time and energy uh, into women's sports. It starts to filter down to the collegiate level. uh, And ultimately, this is all we want. I wish the other big sports and particularly with all the challenges going on in women's hockey right now, uh, you you know, could see, you know, what the five year, 10 year plan could look like. And if you need some advice as to, to what to do, I would just look at the WNBA and its impact on, on this tournament. And it's great. It is honestly great. All right. That's topic two. Hey, if you're a fan of Hattrick Sports, then I promise you, you are going to love the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Hattrick's very own Braden Dollar Coltman sits down every Wednesday with his best bud, Christian Steck. And together, they break down all the news, rumors, transactions from around the basketball world. Whether it's the NBA or college hoops, these two guys love talking basketball, and you are going to love listening every Wednesday on the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Let's round this uh, great show out here with topic three. As I mentioned off the top, Tyler, you're going to be hosting an NFL podcast. So, you know, we are looking to you for some guidance as to what on earth this NFL offseason really means. There is a lot of big names going a lot of different places. Is it all just, you know, smoke and mirrors, fog of war? Are we really looking at a a couple big shifts for some teams that have struggled in the, in the past little while? I guess that's the big question. Let me throw some big names at you. And then I want you to tell me what your analysis of the off season has been so far. Obviously, arguably um, the, the sort of the, the biggest name, if you want to call it that being traded so far would, would be Russell Wilson moving to the Broncos. That's a team that has since Peyton Manning, not really had a genuine bonafide Super Bowl caliber starting quarterback. They get, uh, a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Russell Wilson. I don't know if he's still uh, of that caliber or not. You can tell me that. We obviously have Devontae Adams moving. That's a big, fancy, flashy name. Khalil Mack is moving to the Chargers. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different names, and there's also a lot of names that are staying in the same places. Probably the biggest name of that being Tom Brady after his, what, two-and-a-half-week retirement, staying with the Buccaneers or coming back to the Buccaneers or whatever. Did Adam Schefter just prematurely retire Tom Brady and then Tom Brady decided he didn't want to follow that and decided to stay. I mean, I don't know. Let's go to Tyler first. What do you have for us? What is your thoughts? Give me the big picture NFL offseason so far. Wild. It's wild. 
It's uh, it's exciting. Everyone, this is the thing about the NFL is it is a copycat league. So the minute that Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, which had a team ready to compete in the playoffs, they went out and got Tom Brady. We need a quarterback. Then the Rams, we have a team that's ready to compete in the playoffs. Let's go get Matthew Stafford. Boom, Matthew Stafford. Now all of these teams that are built already for the playoffs are going out and making moves. Um, it's Russell Wilson and Denver. That that oh my guns that that division is stacked. It is stacked. The NFC West uh, last year and the last couple of years is now like the AFC. The AFC West is unreal. Every single game in between that division, like when they're playing themselves. They should be on Monday night television. It's just primetime television the entire time. But the, to me, like the weirdest thing is, is Aaron Rodgers came back and he's been villainized. He's been hated for his stances on, on COVID and all that and vaccines and, and the fact that, oh, he just wants money. He just wants money. But he came back and he said, I want to win. And he did take a cap-friendly deal to play, which what I thought was with Devontae Adams, his buddy. But Devontae Adams also needed to get paid. He's a free agent. He's the best wide receiver in the league by far. It's not close. And, and all of a sudden he just, they trade him. And when I saw that, I was like, no, 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 it doesn't make any sense. Like is Aaron Rodgers then not going to come back? Has he changed his mind? What's happening? So it's, it's been wild. He eventually came out that he did know about it and he understood the situation. And some of me thinks that he went to management and said, Hey, we're not gonna be able to sign Devante. So let's get him to a place where he wants to go. He wanted to go to Las Vegas. He's from the area. He's best friends with their quarterback, Derek Carr. So the two of them together is going to be unreal to watch. That whole division is going to be amazing. Deshaun Watson's in Cleveland now. So Baker Mayfield's up there. Jimmy G's out there. Indianapolis needs a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. New Orleans needs a quarterback. Those teams can compete in the playoffs now. So whoever is going to go out and get, I think Jimmy G will be waited on. So the San Francisco has got no rush to trade him. So they'll wait, see where the market is and, and probably get something more out of it. And uh, now Baker Mayfield's pissed. He wants out of Cleveland. Obviously they got a new quarterback, um, which that whole thing was handled crazily. Uh, but now where's he going to go? It feels like Indy would be a good spot. He's a young player. Baker Mayfield gets shit on all the time. He took the Cleveland Browns to 11 and five record, beat the Steelers in the playoffs. And then last year he was hurt the entire year played through the injury and he's just getting torn apart. He's a good player. He's is still on his rookie contract. So he could go somewhere and he could win. And all you have to do in Indy is hand the ball to hand the ball to the running back. Jonathan Taylor will do the rest. So I could go on forever, but that's that's what's happened so far. All right, that's topic three. No, uh, <laughs> um, Elliot, you want to jump in? I know you're you're uh, you're ready to go. Here we go. Well, I think the crazy thing is, you know, we've had Jordan's intro, Tyler's outstanding recap of everything that's going on, and we haven't even talked about Juju Smith-Schuster yet and the Kansas City and what they're looking to do as a team as well too. I think that point you made off the start, Tyler, is exactly where I'm at with this team is that, or with this league right now, is that it's clear that uh, the Rams had success loading up and going for a championship and ultimately won that championship. Everyone else is looking at that model and saying, yes, this works. I also think what's great is last year, the playoffs were so much fun because the level of parity in the league is, or the parity is so high in this league right now that anyone can win on any given Sunday um and a great movie by the way any given sunday um, <laughs> um and and as such um uh the games are exciting and, and people are leading up and, and, and things are want to go i'm really excited for nfl this year uh i think that there's there's just the teams are 
teams have gotten so much stronger. There, there's been tons of players, transactions, as we've articulated. Um, but I think the parity is going to remain there. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how, particularly some of these guys in the back half of their careers, these quarterbacks, I'm thinking Russell Wilson is probably like the best example of this. Like, how do they, this is his legacy moment here, right? Like, this is where he has his opportunity to come back and have his second act. Uh, really interested to see how that goes. And I think there's a couple of guys going through that similar uh, storyline as well. Again, another name we didn't mention, and this is an interesting one too, is Vaughn Miller going to Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's got one of the most exciting quarterbacks and they were so close, but, you know, failing for, you know, back-to-back crushing playoff losses to Kansas City. They're looking to figure out how they're going to get around that next piece of it. Uh, and 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 even Tampa Bay, they get they get their quarterback and Tom Brady back, but then they add a guy like Russell Gage. They've added a guard. They're clearly like, I mean, is this the best possible sort of off season the NFL could be hoping for in terms of continuing the momentum they have as the dominant sport in America, Tyler? Well, that the NFL kind of never stops, right? It's just always, always, always in the news. It is a 365 days a year headline front page news thing. And this was, yeah, dramatic. Like they, they dragged on the Aaron Rodgers thing for a month just to keep people talking. But now all this stuff is happening. It's, People are talking about it. There's still huge names out there. Jameis Winston's still out there, who is a good quarterback that a team could use. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., he's out there. Will Rob Gronkowski go back to Tampa Bay? Um, so, like, these things that you can constantly talk about with the NFL, it's a, it's a league that is around in every conversation around sports every single day of the year. But I think that there's something more to this, though. I, it, we've seen this sort of wrapping up year over year with the NFL. And I've got to feel like this is a product. This is a product of the NFL's decision to go offense first, to take uh, great with greater seriousness, um, protecting quarterbacks, you know, moving towards a pass first league. Uh, you, you know, the, the part of the excitement around this and, and a lot of the excitement in this offseason is that these are like highly offensive people moving, not, not offensive as in, in That's just Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Aaron, just Aaron Rodgers. But these, you know, well, this, and, and, and uh, Watson. Watson. <laughs> there's, there's, there's lots. Of, you know, we can, we can get into that another time. Um, yeah, let's not. <laughs> this, is, this is like the, you know, this is what, when, when you go offense first and, and, and that, that is like the crux of your product now. Uh, when all these names are moving around, that's also generating excitement as well, too. Fully appreciating that, yes, 100%, 365. But this is, I think, ramping up. Uh, and we're going to see more and more of this as they continue to push offense first football. Okay, so to play one of the most like overused games in sports talk, winners and losers. Uh, uh, Tyler, if you had to pick a winner so far this offseason and a loser so far this offseason from the team perspective, uh, who would you go with first? Denver Broncos winners. Uh, once you get a quarterback, you're a winner. It's, it's a quarterback league. Once you get a quarterback, you're a winner. So Denver Broncos, probably the biggest winners. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say the biggest losers, a team I'd say Aaron Rodgers is the biggest loser got paid. Um, I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but I respect him. I understand what he's doing and, and why he's doing it in terms of the football side of things. Uh, but losing Devonte Adams, immediately takes them out of Super Bowl contention. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, so I think that he specifically, so I guess Green Bay would be the biggest losers in this. And it's all because of cap space, but the cap is fake. The, the salary cap in every sport is fake. 
It's just everybody just kicks the can down the road. They spread money around. They switch it over to bonuses. It does like New Orleans was $80 million or something, $60 million over the cap, like on Tuesday. And now they're like 20 million under it. It makes no sense at all. They didn't cut anybody. So it's, I don't understand it. People that are much smarter than me will understand it, but Broncos winners, Packers losers. And, uh, I guess that's it for me. All right. So before I go to t- Elliot really quickly, because this just made me think of this. Do you think that there is a possibility that the Broncos either offered or would have offered almost the exact same package to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers if, in like a sign and trade? Do you think so, that there is a possibility that it was basically once they knew they weren't getting him, they just took the same offer and went to the next available suitor? This was the talk. That was the talk with... Uh, as soon as Aaron Rodgers signed. And then it was like an hour, two hours later that they went and got Russell Wilson and people were saying, Oh, they must've been waiting because the coach in Denver used to be the offensive coordinator in green Bay. So they figured oh, Aaron Rodgers might go there, but apparently from insiders that I've been reading about on Twitter and, and the Google uh, it was always about Russell Wilson. They were just waiting to Denver and Seattle were kind of waiting to see what, if Rodgers was moved, what the package would have been so that, Seattle could have matched it or Denver could have taken away from it, uh, which makes a little bit of sense, but it's a pretty risky play. And I, I, I'm just going to dig in one more time on this before I go to Elliot. Is Russell Wilson like still what Russell Wilson once was? Very I mean, much He's so. not running the way he used to though. Like he is, he's become more of a pocket passer in the last two seasons than he was previously. That's he's okay. still elite. In, That's in okay. He's still elite. He's still a top eight quarterback. He will take Denver, the Denver Broncos to where they need to be. And it's just one of those things where in Seattle, it just got the toxic and it just got a little crazy. And Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson just weren't getting along. Um, and it's just, it'll change in Denver. And he will, you will see, he, he won a Super Bowl and he almost, he's one play away from winning a second. I mean, well, he, that if, play, that play, a lot of people would tell you is where the fractures began, because yes. there's a lot of people wondering if the play call in the first place was to allow Russell Wilson to throw the game winning touchdown as opposed to handing it off. And if there was already some ego at play in terms of the decisions that were being made. And it sounds very much like when the team took their Hawaii trip to sort of decompress after it, the team had already kind of decided that Russell Wilson wasn't their guy anymore, but then they just sort of dragged it out. I don't know if any of that's true, but that's certainly what I've been reading. Elliot, let's go to you right now. Winners, losers. You've had enough time to think about this. I'm really excited to see what you come up with. <laughs> uh, so a couple of things. If you want to get a sense of how, just how good of a player Russell Wilson is, just take a look at what a massive step back Seattle's going to take this year, and you'll see how much he's carried that team and for how long they have. Uh, and for that, I would list them as a loser. I, I, I think I'll start with my winner, though, and I'll say Cleveland Browns. I think that that team's only getting more and more exciting and interesting to watch. So I, I have a question for you then. Do they, like, there's an argument to say, keep Baker, even though he's angry because yes, Deshaun Watson won't be tried criminally, but he probably will be suspended by the NFL. And however many games that is, is going to completely affect their season next year. So if he is suspended, is that, is that a good move for Cleveland? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I think a little bit of competition in that space is, is good. I think Baker Mayfield being a little pissed off might be a good thing for the team as well, too. And to exactly your point, we'll see where we end up in terms of this whole uh, Watson uh, uh, mess. But uh, regardless, you've got uh, assets there to move to make your team better. And I think there, there's a lot of good things, strong things around them in that space. 
Well, I will say that Baker Mayfield will not be setting foot in the Cleveland Browns organization ever again, whether he's signed with the team or not. He will not show up. There's yeah. no way he will show up. Not a chance. We'll see. He has a better chance of coming to the BC Lions next year than he does <laughs> than he does ordering a soft drink with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, uh, well, we'll good. look forward to that. And sorry, Elliot, did you just say Seattle was your loser then? Uh, no, I'm going to say my I'm going to go with my losers are both the Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers for the exact same reason, and that this is. Uh, uh, this was their opportunity to reset as organizations, but instead they have two old aging quarterbacks come back, which forces them to put some sort of product around what them. The too. Fuck? And what uh, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> was that just one of those comments to set me off? You think <laughs> Tom Brady isn't one of the those you just mentioned the MVP the two of top the guys? And then I know. the second no, 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 no. Let me finish. Let most me finish. votes MVP. Let those me finish. Are the Let me two finish. best quarterbacks in the NFL right if now. If those guys and walk away, those teams are losers for that reason. No, no, yes, yes, they're losers because it just sets back what they need, what they both organizations need to do, which is engage in rebuilds. It forces them to put uh, ha- build haphazard offenses to surround these great quarterbacks, and uh, it's going to lead to middling playoff results like both teams saw last year, just only further. What? No, Tampa Bay is a Super Bowl favorite. Would you rather? Would you rather set yourself up for success in four or five years or win a Super Bowl? I don't think they're a Super Bowl favorite. Well, Vegas does. It's early. <laughs> yeah. You're All right. right. I, I'm just sitting back enjoying. I knew I knew that I was going <laughs> to get fireworks if I put these two guys together. This is awesome. No, but honestly, like the greatest athlete of all time. Saying, and this isn't an indictment on Tom Brady, but I just don't think for what they're going to have to pay and what they're going to have to do to surround him with workable pieces so that he can actually they can they can use him. They have Brady Mike Evans, better, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. They have a defense. They've got an offensive line. Uh, but I, but look what happened. What, what what did we see? What what did we see happen to them last last summer? They they ran into better teams, and every other team around them has gotten that much better. That's what this entire segment has been about. And I don't think the Bucks are up into that to that space. And I, I'm just like I just I think the, the both teams and franchises. If I was a fan, I think you're better served. If those guys don't just walk into the sunset like we all thought they were going to, and you have a, bre- a breath of fresh new air in your lungs and a new uh new new lease on life i, I think a crazy opinion i apologize to all the listeners out there that are listening to <laughs> look i i want to break elliot's in in two pieces i do i i completely and utterly and like categorically and every other adjective you can come up with disagree with the tampa bay analysis i'm just going to leave that there we're talking about tom brady end of conversation <laughs> Tom Brady has literally won Super Bowls with like, like water boys out there catching passes for him. It does not matter. But I, I, I will give you half points on the Green Bay thing only because they are missing the pieces necessary to ensure that their MVP caliber quarterback can make their team better. They need to figure out an out. Again, it's early. We still have lots of off-season opportunities here. Maybe they go out and draft a wide receiver. I don't know what Green Bay's There's a lot of wide receivers are. in this draft. There's a lot yeah. of good wide receivers in this So, draft. obviously, Aaron Rodgers needs someone to target. He loses his biggest target in Devontae Adams. That's a big piece for Green Bay to fix. And we did see that even as good as Aaron Rodgers was this season, arguably the MVP, he won it, but I'm not sure he was the MVP. That's he just was 1,000% the MVP. I hate his guts, okay. but he was 1,000% the MVP. All right. Regardless, he didn't have the team around him 
You right. could in the NFL, you even the best quarterback can't drag a team that's just not quite clicking there. There was some missing pieces and there's some problems in Green Bay. Can they fix that? I don't know. They are better to they are better for having him than whatever the alternative is right now. I would make that argument. Yeah, and I think both those things are fair. Like both those teams are better with those guys in the lineup. Obviously, it's the best quarterback uh, to ever play the game. And like you said, last year's MVP, and I totally, totally support that. But I think long term for those the future of those organizations, I think the dust had settled. I think a lot of people, including in those organizations, felt that those two gentlemen were done, and it was time to move on. And there may have even been planning in place to 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 take those steps. Uh, and now they've come back and, and thrown a wrench in it and, and we'll see, but I just, the rest of the league has gotten too much better that I just, I, I just don't see it for the bucks this year. Okay. So we have Tyler here only for a few more minutes. So I have two things I need to address. Number one, you earlier in this segment claimed Devonte Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I need you to defend that when I give you the name Cooper cup, why is Devonte Adams a better wide receiver right now than Cooper cup? Cooper cup's done it for one year. Devontae Adams has done it for four or five now. That's okay. the difference. If Cooper Cup comes out and does it again next year, then there's a conversation. But he's only done it one time. Devontae Adams has done it consistently over the last four or five years. And the Super Bowl ring on his hand doesn't change that for you? No. Just because you are on a good team doesn't make you a better player individually as someone on a different team. Is there not an skill. argument, though, that he was the best player for the LA Rams last year? He was, he's, he was the best player yeah. for the LA Rams okay. last year. But when he, when he didn't, we'll see what happens with Devontae because when Cooper didn't have Matthew Stafford, he, there was no talk about him. Right. And okay. now Devontae Fair. doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't Rogers. have Aaron Rodgers. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Last question then for you, and we'll round it out here. There's one team we have not talked about. I don't. All right. We kind of have to. <laughs> what do the Detroit Lions need to do to they're kind of they've become like the new Browns, like the Browns have figured it out. What what like the Detroit Lions are one of those teams that it's really like it's just sort of it's hard, right? Like it's, it's got to be hard as a lifelong Lions fan to feel like will they ever, ever climb the hill? It gets easier every year because <laughs> you don't expect there's no hope. There's no disappointment if there's no hope. And we don't have any hope. And next year is a write-off. We knew that when we traded that we traded Stafford and we got Goff. We can't trade Goff. Can't trade his contract. You have to pay him. You have to play him. Uh, he, he ended up being pretty good over the last four or five games last year. Uh, but the, is, this whole year is a write-off. And this, I don't know. The next decade could be a write-off. I don't, I don't know. I like Dan Campbell. I hated the signing. I love him now. I think that team played the bunch of guys they have on the team that probably some of them shouldn't be in the NFL. Are, are playing hard for him. And that's all you can ask for as a, a fan of a team that has a new coach is was that, what is that coach getting out of these players? And he is getting more out of them than they probably have skill wise. If I set the line at four and a half wins this year for the Detroit lions, would you go over or under? Oh boy. I'd have to look at the schedule. I bet that they win. I bet that they win five games next year. Is that too many to be a top draft pick? Uh, yeah, we got it. Yeah. Probably. Right? It's kind of <laughs> what, what they can win and what you want them to win, I think are probably very different if they're in the rebuild. Um, it is the yeah. hope that kills you. And I guess, as you've said, the if hope there's no hope, it can't kill you. Um, I'm going to let you both have one more shot at this. Any last thoughts? Uh, Elliot, have we beat down your, your, your picks here for losers enough? You want to change your pick? You got one last chance. No, I'm sticking with it. I'm good nice. to go. 
Looking forward to that first round exit for the Bucks this year. Tyler, we have a new podcast with you hosting coming up this off season, coming up the, uh, throughout the off season. It'll be here uh, probably into the summer, right before the season. We'll really get it going. What can we expect? What can you give us as just like a tease as to what your ambitions are for the podcast? It's called the running the clock down. What, what, what's the, what's the, what's the goal? The goal is to just have fans of the sport talking about that week's biggest um, news, biggest plays, biggest. uh, um, Yeah. The biggest, the biggest games that have happened that week before and the ones that are coming up, not from an analyst standpoint or not from a professional, just because a lot of times now you just find people are saying things just to get clicks and the the crazier thing they say, if they're right one out of every 50 times, then it's just like, Oh, this person's going to get money. This person's my entire business model. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want this show to be that. I just want it to be a couple of people who love football talking about what happened that week. Awesome. Well, we look forward to that. That'll be coming up. Uh, as I said, into the summer here, uh, running down the clock, uh, Tyler, you are also going to be on pit stop on Tuesday. I know you got lots to talk lots about to there. Awesome race in Bahrain. We'll save it for that. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to how Mercedes justifies this loss or blames it on someone else this time too. What loss? <laughs> Mercedes won today. That was a win for Mercedes today. Uh, as far as they're concerned, that's a win. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, it's another edition of Hattrick. Awesome uh, to have both of you here. Tyler, we really appreciate it. As I say, people can find you on the Pit Stop podcasts on Tuesdays following Formula One races. And then into the summer, we will have running down the clock on the network. We're very excited about it. Uh, thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Tyler. That's Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. I knew he'd pick a fight. I knew he would pick Whoa, a fight. Oh, come on. It's like Michael Jordan. You don't go, you don't <laughs> bet against Michael Jordan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include. Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.